for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. We're glad that you're here for week two of Shake It Off. It's a series that we're in right now. And because uh, really, we just thought that the theologian Taylor Swift was so brilliant, we needed to follow everything. I'm kidding. Nothing today. Nothing. Absolutely no, no laughter. That's it. Okay, good. No, we're not following Taylor Swift. The, the, good, the truth is we just like good music. And, uh, and it was a great, great way to kind of... I kind of put in a picture this series about how to handle the ups and downs of any relationship, right? That's what this is about. Not just marriage. It could be with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a fiance, a best friend, a cousin, a mom or a dad, your son or your daughter. We're just going to talk about the practicals of how to handle the ups and downs of any relationship. And let me tell you why. Because we believe that experiencing the greatest season of your life is directly tied to who you do life with. Let me say that again. We believe that experiencing the greatest season of your life is directly tied to who you do life with. That's why one of the four things we do are connect groups. We wanted to create a place, as we grow larger as a church, we wanted to create a place where we can also grow smaller. And build relationships. So we do connect groups in semesters. And we're about to enter a new semester of connect groups. And you need to find the right one for you and your family. On your way out today, the the connect group leaders will be out there telling you about what they're doing and when they're meeting. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to experience a great season, jump into a connect group. That's just my little plug for you. It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about today. What's exciting about this series is we're going to unpack some practical scenarios and some practical application to our life and we're going to pull from the truth of God's word and listen that matters right because we could get up here and preach scripture after scripture after scripture and I could talk in King James English or Pentecostal if I need to and I could get crazy but if you don't know how to apply the truth of God's word when you leave this building it really does no good in fact That's what James was saying when he said, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. And so we're going to go really practical with this. Because I believe there are too many things that we face in life that we actually need to know how to handle them and not just why to handle them. Are you tracking with me? Last week we unpacked the importance of recognizing and mastering the art of feedback and We unpack different lenses through which we interact with people. We talked about the interviewer, the bull in the china shop, and the turtle doodle-loodle. If you didn't listen to that, get the podcast. I got texts all week. Great. Thanks for preaching that, Pastor Kerry, from one bull in the china shop to another. I was like, I don't think that's a compliment. But I'll take it anyways. And so today we're going to actually talk about how to give and receive feedback in a healthy way. And I believe this is going to be something you'll be able to take notes on and go, man, that actually can apply this to my life today. I hope that's my hope and prayer for you. If not, it's okay. Just don't tell me. Right? Well, listen, I, let's just pray before we jump into this. And then uh, we'll, I, I think we'll be able to knock this thing out. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're here right now. We thank you that you show up uh, even stronger in the first service. That you love the first service better than the second service. God, we thank you that you're going to speak to us today. And help us to learn how to navigate and unpack communication. And, and communicate with our family members, our spouse, our greatest friends, our 
fiance, our boyfriend or girlfriend. God, I, I think you're going to help us to know how to do that effectively today. Would you just kind of show up in a powerful way? In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. How many of you in this room have kids? Raise your hand. Awesome. How many of you have ever been a child? Raise your hand. Awesome. So everybody's going to be able to relate to the story. It's so good. So not too long ago, maybe a little bit longer than, than it needed to be and not, not long enough, I was on a great walk with my kids and uh, we were doing this massive hike around a huge park that had a huge body of water because I wanted to take my nine-month-old Labrador retriever swimming where it's legal to do so. And, uh, and we got to walking. And as we're walking, we realized we went the wrong direction. And it was the longest way around to where we needed to actually go. And, and along the way, we're passing these porta-potties that are great spots that if you're on a long ha- hike, you can stop and use the restroom. And we got about 400 billion miles away from the closest one. And one of my daughters, my youngest one, looked to me and she goes, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom right now. And I said, we just freaking passed the porta potty. Why didn't you, t- why didn't you go? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Why didn't you go to the restroom when we were walking past the porta potty? Dad, I got to go. Well, you have two options. We can keep walking till we find the next one. Or we can find a, a squatty potty and pull over behind a tree. Whatever, it's up to you. No, 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 we're okay. I'll well, keep walking. So we continue to walk another hundred billion miles. And, and she's doing this whole thing, walking. You know what I mean? I don't know why that works, but it helps. And we're, we're walking and walking and we're finding nothing. And she's like, Dad, we got a squatty potty right now. Find a tree. Dad, we got to go oh my god i'm going i'm going and right there in the middle of the park she just starts crying and weeping and i'm like why didn't you freaking go at the no i'm kidding but i was thinking it right in my mind i had two directions i could go number one i could say everything i'm thinking like why didn't you go we there's 82 trees we could have done this there's we passed seven porta potties what were you thinking and then the other path, which is the one I chose, which is surprising because I'm a bull in a china shop. And I went up, I said, oh, babe, it's okay. Come here. I went up and I kind of put my arms around her like this. <laughs> and there happened to be this little pavilion with a little sink. And I walked over and said, what if we just put you in the sink, get your, all your pants totally wet? Then it, nobody will know. She's like, that's a great idea. She's crying and we walk over and I put her in the sink and we're splashing water. And I splash water on her sister and myself. So we all look like we peed our pants. And then we got up and walked away. And I, it kind of hit me at that moment. That's kind of how Jesus works with us. It, at every turn of our life, he could very easily say, why didn't you do it differently? Why didn't you pay attention to the warning signs around you? Why didn't you stop and handle the business the way that you should He doesn't do that. Every time we make a mistake, every time we go too far, every time we turn our back, every time we choose to ignore, every time we get silent when we should speak, he kind of leans in and goes, it's okay. Come on, there's a solution for you. And it dawned on me, like I know you're thinking, I am a lot like Jesus. (laughs) I know you're thinking it. It dawned on me. There's so much that God teaches us about the way he interacts with us through the way that we interact with other humans. And what's amazingly unique and significant is it also works the other way around. He teaches us so much about how to interact with those that are around us by how he teaches us to interact with him. And in a passage of scripture, Jesus is talking to the closest followers And they're talking to him about prayer because in those days it was very common for men that were spiritual leaders to pray in a way that drew attention to them. 
they would walk around in the front of the temple and in the courts of the church and they would very verbose, very, just very loudly begin to pray out loud and use certain types of language in a way that people would recognize they were deeply spiritual. And as such, the common man thought that was how you were supposed to pray, yet so many people felt a disconnect because it wasn't normal for them. And I think that most of us in this room would probably be able to identify either a season in our life or the majority of our life where we say, we just don't really know how to pray or where to start. And so Jesus says, hey, I want to teach you how to pray. And you know it as the Lord's Prayer. Now, for many, it's become this traditional slogan that we repeat at, at night as we're going to bed, kind of like now I lay me down to sleep, right? It's become more of a traditional thing instead of actually looking into it and seeing what God's trying to teach us about interaction with each other. But here's the cool thing. I believe that Jesus wasn't only teaching us how to communicate with God the Father, but I believe he was teaching us how to communicate and give feedback and interact with each other. So over the next 25 minutes, I just want to unpack this passage of Scripture. And I want to bring some real practicals on how you and I can really master the art of giving and receiving feedback. So that in any relationship that we're in, we can flourish. Because like I said earlier, we believe that, that the greatest season of your life is tied to who you do life with. And you want that season to be awesome. Can I get an amen for that? Let's read the scripture. This is Jesus speaking. Now, you've probably read the scripture in the English Standard Version or the King James Version. Well, today I want to read to you a paraphrase by a guy named Eugene Peterson. It's called the Message Version. So what he did is he took the English Standard and the Revised Standard Version and the King James Version, and he tried to kind of capture that and re-communicate the same essence in a way that makes sense to you and me. So some of this loses the poetic justice that most of Scripture you're used to, or the way that you've memorized this prayer, maybe if you grew up in a traditional church. This is going to sound different. So just bear with me as we read through Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer. And remember, this is Jesus speaking. And, and here's what he said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 through 13. He said, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Now remember, I told you that in that day, the, the religious leaders would walk around and they would change the, the countenance of their stature and the way that they would speak. And they would say, oh, Lord God. Of heaven, who sees everything. In fact, there was actually a saying that said, if you pray longer, God hears it more. And so they would just rant to a point of exhaustion. It was crazy. But what he was saying is, look, that, that's just because you pray loud and long doesn't mean it's an effective prayer. Which is what's so comforting about this passage of scripture. Because Jesus comes back and says, hey, when you decide to pray, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet and secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. And just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. And can I pause there? That's comforting. Man, God loves you and wants you exactly as you are. And I don't know about you, but for this jacked up dude who struggles with identity and struggles with sin and struggles with 
feelings of insecurity on a consistent basis for me to know that God just wants me to come before him as simply and honestly as I can manage is the most rewarding thing to know. God wants me and loves me and wants to communicate with me just as I am. No false pretense. And listen to this last passage. It says, the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, when you want to pray, don't put up some false pretense or change the way that you communicate so that you sound better because God doesn't care about all that. He just wants you to shift your focus and shift your attention. Remove the distractions and get away, find a quiet place and just simply talk to him. Man, that's powerful right there. We could shut down the service and and just conclude with that, right? That God just simply wants us to approach him. Remove the distractions and shift the focus. And I believe what he's saying here is essential for you and me in communication with each other is that timing is crucial. I've got to remove the distractions. If I want to master the art of giving and receiving feedback, if I want to have a healthy relationship that's centered around communication, timing is crucial. Timing is crucial. When I first got married to Megan, before we got married, I said, you need to know a couple things about me. That's a good start. That's a young punk kid, isn't it? Right there. So you need to know a couple things about me. I said, number one, and this is all we're going to talk about right now, but number one, there, there's a really important thing that happens. It always starts September of every year. Bum, 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 bum. The Dallas Cowboys will play every Sunday with one bye week and hopefully make it to the postseason and then the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I was still living in the 90s. It's okay. I said, every Sunday, the Cowboys are going to play, and, and, and that means that Jesus wants me to sit down and nestle into my little spot on the couch, kick my feet up, and watch the Cowboys game. And I would love to invite you into that journey with me. But everything else will be pushed on, put on hold and push pause on that. She's like, baby, I love you. I love the Cowboys. This is a match made in heaven. I was like, mm, good, right? Can you imagine if today we sit down and watch the game, even though it's the early game, and I nestle into my, my, my perfect little butt spot on my couch, and I kick my feet up, and my dog is laying at my feet like a man does, and, and I've got you know, a drink in one hand and my chips in the other. Of course, I've just got water with ice in it, and I just sit down, and I'm ready to watch this amazing game to see the 2-0 and Cowboys bring the heat today. It's going to be fantastic. And then Megan just waddles in and sits down on the coffee table right in front of me, and she says... Can we talk about where we are in our relationship? My response would be, absolutely, I'd love to do that right now. Let me turn the TV off right now. It doesn't matter, does it, babe? Because you're the only thing. Get out of the way right now, right? I would never do that. They can't hear that on the podcast. It's okay. Can you imagine? That would be the worst timing in the world. It'd be, my, my problem would be usually what I would do is I'm thinking through everything and ruminating through the challenges of our marriage or what we're walking through. She's perfect, but I'm jacked up. And, and we get to bed at night. It's 1030 or 11. And we've rolled into our positions and we're holding our pillow. And the, the air is perfect. And the lights are, it is pitch black in my room. And Megan is drifting through the zone of I'm kind of awake, but barely 
literally asleep in that sweet place where sugar plums are dancing around your head. And then I roll over and tap her on the shoulder and say, babe, I'd like to talk about our intimacy and what's problem. What the work, let's work through this right now. She's going to be like, I'm sorry, what, what did you say? Let me wipe the boogers out of my eyes and roll over and try to wake up now. And then now we're going to get into an argument for the next three hours because I just dropped a nuclear bomb in your face at 1130 at night. Are y'all tracking with me? Man, the air left the room on that one. <laughs> left the room. Timing is crucial. Timing is crucial. Let me tell you what the right timing is not. I feel like that's important. Timing is crucial. But let me show you some of the things that are the timing. The right timing is not sharing now just because I thought of it. So just because I thought of it right now does not mean that right now is the right time. We talked about this last week with the bull in the china shop. You know, how many of you love to be interrupted? No one does. Right? That's what I'm teaching one of my youngest daughter right now. The biggest thing I'm teaching her is don't interrupt. So I'll be in the middle of a conversation with my wife. And she'll walk right in the middle. And we'll be talking, you know, loudly because we do that. And, and she'll just start talking over us. Mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Talking. Right? Hey, just come and put your hand on us and we'll talk to you in two seconds. But nobody loves to be interrupted. So just because you thought of it right now doesn't mean right now is the time to share it. Are you tracking with me? Timing is not sharing now just because you thought of it. And listen, timing is not waiting until there's a laundry list of 872 things because you were waiting and procrastinating because you're maybe more of an interviewer. And Hey, listen, I got to tell you about what happened this morning and yesterday. And when we were seven, by the way, I'm so frustrated that you did this. And we roll out this laundry list and then the person is going, what in the world? I thought everything was great. Right? Timing is crucial. Let me say what the right timing is not passive aggressively dropping hints, hoping to unintentionally communicate something either. Listen, I, I know some of you work in the corporate world and I looked up some passive aggressive notes I wanted to share with you today. So check this first one out. It's a refrigerator with a Diet Coke image and it says, Jesus is watching you. And then I believe the, the next passage says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, right? Passive aggressive corporate notes back and forth. Look at this one. The next one says, God loves you. You're important to him and you have value in his kingdom. God bless. And then the next person says, poor grammar has no place in the Lord's kingdom. Some of you can't read what's poor grammar, and I love you. I value you. And if you could read the poor grammar, we need you in the tech team right now. The next note says this, do not use. I spit in this, in parentheses, since someone keeps using it. And the next note said, I spit in it too, since you're a jerk. <laughs> this one's a good one. And before you go to the next one, hold tight. Uh, my best friend who is currently in the room right now, uh, like three years into marriage, he, he lived with me and my wife for about a year and a half. It was the greatest time for me. We played Halo Live until like 3 a.m. in the morning. But one day, Megan came to me and said, if I see another Dr. Pepper can in my kitchen, I'm going to kill Chris. And I actually thought she meant that. And the next day, I think he woke up with 35 Dr. Pepper cans all over his room. My wife was just going to show him. <laughs> Y'all are laughing. Yeah, you're laughing. It, was, it saved his life. So you're welcome, Chris. Look at this next one. FYI, the dishwasher is the white thing with the buttons on your right. The dishwasher is not the white, balding, middle-aged man named Brian, right? And uh, this next one's my favorite. FYI, to whoever stole my water bottle, it had my estrogen supplements in it. Have fun with that. <laughs> 
I love it. Listen, the right timing is not passive-aggressively dropping hints, hoping you'll unintentionally communicate what it is that you want to say. We, we have to master the art of feedback, and timing is crucial. So let me tell you what the right timing is. The right timing is creating a space for conversation. It's creating a place, right? So whether you're married or you have a good friend or it's a fiancé or a boyfriend or girlfriend or a son or a daughter or an aunt or an uncle or a mom or a dad, if you can create a consistent time and place just to sit down and chat through the week, it'll make a difference in your world. One of the things we realize is that, man, we would like to know what's going on with our kids throughout their day, but they don't want to tell us all the, the details of what happened over the course of the day right when they walk into the, to the door. So at dinner, we sit down and we play a game called Happy Crappies. Give us the highlight and the low light. What was the happy thing? What was the crappy thing? And we just learned, man, we're creating a place and now it's a game for us. We have new rules and limitations on what the happy and the crappy. If it's right now and the meal's not good, you can't say that as a crappy, Right? We created a space for Megan and I. We created a space on Monday morning. So if you try to get a hold of me or call me or set an appointment with me on Monday morning, it will never work. I have a running date every Monday morning with Megan. And we go on a hike or we go paddle boarding and we'll spend four and a half, five hours. That's my Saturday. That's our Saturday. We'll spend four and a half hours just talking there because she needs that. We found she needs four and a half to five hours just to talk. And she just vomits things, just spits it all out. And, and, I, and I'm learning. I'm not good at it yet, but I'm learning just to be quiet and listen because she just wants to talk. And hey, when we don't, why are you clapping? Is that my wife? I can't see out there. Um, we have learned that, man, for our relationship, that when we miss that, if, if we miss it on a week, it builds tension throughout the rest of the week because we didn't have that time just to connect and chat through what's going on in our world. Man, if you're dealing with frustration and you're a teenager and you're dealing with frustration with your parents, just set up a coffee date with them. Hey, can we just talk for a minute? I just need to share a couple of things with you. You have to, we have to create a space for conversation. And listen, some of you need to know this, that perfect scenarios rarely happen. They rarely happen. But what you can do is foster an environment for conversation. So waiting for everybody to be just, this timing is perfect. I'm happy, you're happy, let us talk, is probably not going to happen. But if you create a space consistently to have that kind of feedback, it'll be a game changer. You track it with me? So great timing is creating a space for conversation. Great timing is allowing time for the way that they process information. So allowing time for the way that that person, so listen, if they're an extrovert, then they need space to literally, just, they need like the, the year, uh, not the year, they need space just to vomit and throw up everything, right? Like extroverts, that's what my wife and I are both extroverts, right? So if you give some information to an extrovert, they're just going to kind of throw up things. They're going to be thinking out loud while they're talking to you. Well, I think I just want to leave this relationship right now. What? I just said I want to make the bed in the morning. Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just thinking. That's what extroverts do, right? We've processed out loud, so we need to see time to vomit everything out. So if you're talking to someone who's an extrovert, give them time to just talk and just listen. If it's an introvert, they need a year to process, right? They need a year. So extroverts vomit, introverts need like 72 years probably. And a couple books and just like more time. So listen, if you're an introvert, maybe give it a couple days. But if you're dropping bombs on an introvert and then you're expecting them to tell you their thoughts right then, you're going you're gonna to shoot yourself in the foot. Come on, can I get an amen? Any introverts in here? Don't raise your hand. Oh, they're like, thank you, God, for the first time ever. I love it. Right? Introverts, man, it's just give them time to process. They need a lot of time. 
So give them a couple days. Hey, let me share something with you. And let's just, we can come back and talk about this in a couple days. But I just wanted to, I want you to know what's going on with me. Are you tracking with me? Timing is everything. Look, listen, Jesus continues. And he says this. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. He said, Miss, you don't have to have a formula. You don't have to be perfect. You can just come with him and know he's going to love you right where you are. So he's not only saying that timing is crucial, but he's also saying that the approach is paramount. So don't come to God with a false pretense and change your vocal cords and shift the way that you're standing and what you're looking at. But just come to him exactly as you are and in communication with someone in our relationships, with the people that we love. Timing is crucial, but the approach is paramount. A few years ago, Megan and I were flying from here to Dallas. And on our way there, there was a massive storm in Dallas. And as such, the plane had to wait to land. So we were just circling somewhere between New Mexico, West Texas, and Colorado. And then the pilot gets on on the comm and he says, Hey, listen, we don't have enough fuel to do that. That's always reassuring to hear that. Right? We need to make, and this I quote, an emergency landing in Amarillo, right? And A, that's not a good thing to hear. B, nobody likes Amarillo. I'm sorry, except for George Strait, Amarillo by morning. But there, I love you, Clay. And so we come in for a landing, and literally we were flying like 30,000 feet and dropped to like 5,000 feet in a matter of seconds, it felt like. And the plane is shaking so violently that people are bouncing where you can see their heads going up and down. Literally, the seatbelt's holding them in, that kind of turbulence. And the lady who was next to me and her niece next to her was already terrified of flying. And so in 0.7 seconds, she is wrapped up and holding me tight, squeezing where I can't breathe, crying. And her niece is squeezing her. It was like this. I'm just like, I can't move. I'm sweating. Everybody's shaking. The plane is doing this thing. And the plane's like coming in for a landing. And as it comes in, the crosswinds were so intense. We literally are a hundred feet from the ground. And then all of a sudden he guns it. We didn't touch. And he takes off again. Holy crap. I was about to throw up, not because of turbulence, but because she was squeezing my sternum so tight. I'm not even lying. I'm a hundred feet from the ground, from landing and just, and then we had to go and do that junk all over again. Why? Because the approach to our landing was jacked up and it would have been disastrous if we actually had tried to land. And the same goes for your conversations and communication. Timing is crucial, but the approach is paramount. Sometimes we come in with like, look, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Sit down. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to you. Ever. Right? Listen to what Jesus says on how to approach God, and this is, this is pretty powerful and potent. I'm rapidly running out of time. Listen to this. Here's what he said. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven. You, and keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. 
You can do anything you want. You are ablaze in beauty. And that's the traditional component you're used to hearing, but Eugene Peterson puts, Peterson puts this, like, this twist on it that just makes it so applicable, right? And the entirety of that prayer, and the entirety of that prayer, what he's saying is, hey, you know what? God, you're good. You're so good. And, and I, I don't want what I want, even though I have a few ideas and I have some requests and some things I'm praying for, but really what I want is what you want. And I'm sorry that I've been a knucklehead over the last few days or hours or weeks or months. And Man, would you just forgive me? I, I don't, I don't want to keep that attitude up. I'm sorry. And, and here's the thing. I really do want some stuff. And I have some, some stuff on my mind. But really, I just, I want what you think is best for me. Isn't that change the game on praying it really does shift our focus, right? When we come to God and we just say, God, you know what? You're just so good, right? The, the, the traditional verse says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That just means holy. God, you're just so good. Your grace and your mercy, you forgive. You've forgiven me. And man, you know what? I, the, when I focus my attention on you, I just realize I don't, I don't just want what I want. I just want your will to be done. Right, Jesus prayed that same prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane hours before he gave up his life for you and for me. He was like, man, I, God, I'd love for this to go down any other way. And if there's a way that we can save humanity, would you take this cup from me? But nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. And if we're going to have the right approach... We've got to come into every conversation with that kind of deal. Hey, listen, I'm really frustrated or I'm hurt or I'm discouraged or I'm angry or I want to change some things or what you did was upsetting. But man, I just want you to know I actually really care about you. And I'm not here to try to prove my point to you, but I'm just here so that we can find the best way to move forward because my life is better with you in it. That's what that means. Jesus was painting a picture of how to communicate with God, but then he comes in and he's like painting this vivid picture on how we can communicate with each other. And I think what he's saying, number one, is that we've got to start every conversation with trying to understand, seeking first to understand what's going on in your way. What happened when you said that, when you did that, when you didn't do, you were supposed to be there and you weren't. I thought I could count on you. We made those vows and now I don't know. Tell me what was going on in your world because I know for you to make a decision or to not do or to speak or to be quiet, I know that if you did that, something must have been going on in your world. So tell me, what is it? What's happening and why? why? Re remove the absolute generalizations. You never do this. You always or every time and you never change. Just remove those statements and just come to the people that you care about and say, hey, What's going on when you said that or when you did that? Why? What was going on in your world? Seek first to understand. Seek first to understand. I love how Jesus started that out. Reveal who you, who you are. Set the world right. Questions to ask are, hey, wait, I'm not really clear on what you're saying. I don't know, where, where are you trying to go? And man, okay, paint a picture of what you're looking for what, were, what was going on in your world when you said those things because it was really hurtful? 
And when people share what's going on in their world and you begin to understand where they're coming from, that's not the time that you jump in to prove your point. To stake your claim and say, this is why. Well, this is why you're wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You see, the second key to great feedback and communication, number one is seeking first to understand. Number two is to validate. To come in and say, man, I'm so sorry that you walked through that. I didn't realize that the way that I was acting or the things that I was saying was causing you to feel inadequate or insecure or fearful or frustrated or discouraged. And man, I, not only am I sorry for making you feel that way, but that must have been a difficult place to be. Never forget in the first year of our church, we had a couple attending and man, their marriage was on the rocks. It was bad, 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 bad. And he was trying everything he could to, to move forward and to build a healthy relationship. And she was trying, but it was just this, they would hit this impasse over and over and over and over again. And, and we sat down and began to talk with them. And every time one of them would share, the other one began to argue and they would just yell back and forth. And I, was, I just said, wait a minute, hold on. Man, I could tell you, I, didn't, I won't say her name. I could tell you're really discouraged and frustrated. What, what makes you feel that way? She just vomited this life story of people always putting high expectations on her and why she always felt like a failure because she could never measure up and she didn't even realize or think that that's what God's plan was, but she was just kind of following it, pursuing it because it's all she ever knew. And I just sat back and I'm thinking, my God. Megan leaned forward and said, that's a heavy burden to carry. And I'm so sorry that you have been living to meet other people's expectations. And that simple statement, she burst into tears and it changed the trajectory of the conversation and the trajectory of their marriage. Because we didn't just seek to understand, but we validated what she was walking through. Now her behavior wasn't acceptable. Some of the things she was doing was not cool for their marriage. But we couldn't get there until she felt like somebody actually cared. And some of you in the relationships you're in or in your marriage, you're trying to prove your point so harshly that all it is is two people like at a debate standing at the podium to prove their point. And we're missing the fact that our relationship, our marriage, our friendship, my, my relationship with my son or my daughter or my mom or my dad is falling apart because I want to prove my point. And if we'll just stop and back the train up, seek first to understand. And then just bring some validation to say, man, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. That must be challenging. It must feel discouraging. It must feel like there's no hope. Proverbs 15, 1 says, it's a soft answer turns away wrath. But harsh words stir up anger. Seek first to understand. And then validate. And when that's finished... That's when we work on the right solution. What's the right solution? Look me in the eyes. The right solution isn't necessarily your opinion. Right? Jesus said, when you go to the Father to pray, tell him how great he is. And then the next line is, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. So the question is, where is God taking us in this friendship, in our marriage, as a family, father and son. What's God want to do 
in us? And how do we find a solution for that? Seek first to understand, then validate, and then pursue the right solution. The right solution. This whole prayer is about wanting God's best and not about what I want. Let me just tell you, this, just real quickly, I'm going to take a sidetrack and we've got to hurry. I'm, I'm a couple minutes over. If you are working diligently in a relationship, maybe it's a marriage or with a child or a mom or dad, and you keep hitting an impasse, you know what that's a clear indication of? It's a clear indication that you need a coach. Somebody that you call and say, hey, we, we just need help navigating through this thing. We don't know how, because we both are stuck. Somebody down the road from you, who's been married longer in a healthier relationship, or somebody who's navigated through the, the relational challenges between a mom and a, a daughter, or father, or son, or cousins, or whatever. Fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend. Hey, can you help us? Does that mean you're a failure? No, it means you recognize when you don't have the answer. And isn't that what Jesus was saying about this prayer? Just go to God as simply as you can manage. Exactly as you are. And just simply say, God, here's what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. But I know you're good and faithful. I have some things I'd hope you'd work in and Man, we've got to increase our finances, but I know you're faithful. Would you just give us wisdom to know how to manage these? And man, I just, I don't know what to do with my teenage son anymore. I don't know how to handle it, but God, you created him, not me. So would you do what you want? I don't want what I want for him, God, because I want what you want for him. And I wonder what would happen in our relationships if the sound of our communication shifted to, man, I love you desperately and I want God's best for you and I'm better with you. You're better with me. Let's figure out how to navigate through this so that we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. I think it would change so many things in our lives. I think it would be, look at me in the eyes, I think it would be the beginning of forgiveness for some people. I think it would be the beginning of freedom for others. It's no longer about, am I right and are you wrong? But it's about, man, we want to find the right solution. And I wonder, in the same way, what would happen if in our relationship with God, we begin to shift from God, would you just be like a genie in the bottle? Would you make me feel good when I feel discouraged? Would you help me when I need your help? And I wonder what would happen in our relationship with God if we shifted to, God, you're just so faithful all the time. Here's what I'm struggling through in life, but would you just be closer than you've ever been? Help me not to be a knucklehead. I'm sorry for making poor choices and help me to forgive the people that I'm frustrated with. God, I just want to pursue you with my life. I wonder what would happen in our relationship with him. Isn't it interesting that God uses our relationships with other humans as a mere reflection of how he wants us to interact with him. And he paints a picture of how to interact with other humans and how he wants us to relate with him as well. I believe we can have healthy feedback and communication. It just takes some work. Seek first to understand, validate, and then look for the right 
solution. Not just your solution, the right solution. Hey, listen, some of you in this room are here today and, and you say, man, I'd love to have a relationship with God like that, but I feel like there's this gap and I can't seem to move past it and it's challenging for me and I don't know where to go with it and what to do and I'm wrestling with this thing. And, and I mean, I just went, I want that gap gone, but I don't know how to move past it. Well, the Bible talks about that gap. In fact, the Bible calls that gap a sin gap and it does separate us from what God wants to do in our life. In fact, the Bible says there's a consequence for that gap. It's death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible offers a radical solution. In fact, it calls it a free gift. And that solution is that Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Paying the price or the ransom for our sin and closing that gap. If you're here today, you want to experience a new relationship with God and close that gap and see him at work in your life like never before. It begins by saying yes to Jesus. And here's the best part. There's nothing you can do to earn this gift. It's already been given to you. You can't get better. You can't attend church more. You can't erase your past enough. Jesus loves you exactly as you are right here in this moment. All you have to do is say yes to him. In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want to challenge you. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, then just repeat after me in the bottom and the depths of your heart. And I believe God's going to start something new for you. Life doesn't get perfect, but it gets so good. And there are those of you who are running from God today. You're playing with your destiny and your purpose. And as we pray that prayer today, I'm going to challenge you to repeat after me. And let's come running back to God and say, man, I'm, I'm just here to recommit my life to you. But if you're here and you've never made that declaration, don't leave without praying this prayer with me today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. Just a few more moments and we're out of here. I'm gonna ask everybody in this room to pray it out loud so no one feels uncomfortable. And if you're here and you've never prayed the prayer just from the depths of your heart, just repeat it after me. Everybody in the room, just say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for me. Now everyone in this room, just repeat this phrase after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.